This is our second session on the great verse, John 3.16. In the first session, we looked at the danger in this verse. We said there were four Ds. That's the danger that we're all liable to perish if God doesn't find a way and accomplish a way to save us. The destiny would be eternal life. The duty would be belief. And this is where we focus today on the design. That is, the design of God in making this happen. By this design, he has taken away perishing. By this design, he has given eternal life, and he's done it for those who believe. What we're going to look at in this design is that there is a God who has a son. What does that mean? That he has loved the world in such a way as to bring about this glorious effect. No perishing, but instead eternal life. And the way he has loved the world is by giving this son. So, Father, as we focus now on this great truth, this design of salvation, help us to understand your nature, your son, your love, your giving, and its great effect. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a God, and he has a son, which, of course, creates a problem if you try to do Muslim evangelism, they're going to stumble over this, just as really most people everywhere in the world will stumble over it the first time they hear it. God has a son. What? Did he have sex with Mary? And then they had a baby? That's what a lot of Muslims would say Christians teach. But John has gone out of his way in chapter 1 to keep us from thinking that way in verse 1 and verse 14. Watch. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. With God and God. That's a great mystery, isn't it? How can you be God and be with God? But that's what he says. And then he says this, and the Word, that's this Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. So he has tried his best in these verses to show that the Son is not, it does, he does not come into being by procreation with Mary. He doesn't come into being at all. <laughs> he is in the beginning with God, and he is God. He doesn't come into, begin, into being. He is there in the beginning with God and as God. This is the great mystery of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as one God. And the way to do Muslim evangelism is not to change the translation of the Bible, which results in nothing but catastrophic departure from important truth, but rather to let John do his explaining work for everyone just the way he did it in the first century. 
What does it mean that the Father has a Son? Let's go to Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. Long ago, in many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. So he's the end of all things, the beginning of all things. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. So I said he never came into being. God has always been radiant. And God has always had an exact imprint of his nature. So the son is co-eternal with the father. He's called a son in order to make plain that the father loves him the way a father loves the son, that he's of the same kind of reality. He is divine. He's not another thing, another kind. He is begotten, but not begotten in time, eternally begotten, eternally generated. And he is the radiance, the glory of, of God. When we think about our sonship in relation to Christ's, here's the way we should think. Galatians 4, 4-7. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. That's just like John three sixteen. Born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we, we humans who trust him, might receive adoption as sons. So we are sons by adoption. This is son by eternal generation. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's shift our gears now to what does it mean that this God with this son, through this son, loved the world? For God so loved the world. What does that word so mean? Sometimes people hear this and they think so much. But it's not quantitative because this so here and this so here are the same word in English and in Greek as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That is, in this way must the Son of Man be lifted up. It has the same meaning here. For God in this way loved the world. In what way? That he gave his son that whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. So this is the way. This defines the so. In what way did God love the world? He loved the world by giving his son so that whoever any class, any race, any ethnicity, any economic standing, any intelligence, whoever, anywhere in the world who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So that's how he loves the world. He offers his son to the world in such a way that whoever believes will never perish but have eternal life. And that's the way we can offer him to the world. If you believe anyone, anywhere in the world, you will not perish, but have eternal life. But don't 
infer from that that there's no unique or special love that God has for his elect or for those who believe, for the bride of his son. For example, in John 17, I am praying for them, for my disciples. I'm not praying for the world. So there's a special way I show love to my my people, my disciples, for those whom you have given me, Father, for they are yours. And I'm praying for them that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them, loved them in a unique way. Not, I'm not pray, I'm not praying for the world. I don't have this same love for everybody. I have this love for those whom I have given you out of the world or Chapter 14, verse 21, whoever has my commandments, Jesus says, and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. So there's a special kind of love that the father has for those who love the son. Or chapter 13, verse 1, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the father, having loved his own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. So there are these texts that teach of a special, saving, father-son love between himself and those whom he has given to his son and for whom he died in a special and unique way. What does it mean now that he gave his son in love? What does What did he give him to, for? John 12, now is my soul troubled, Jesus says. What shall I say? Save me from this hour, the hour of his impending death. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. This is why I came. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, the cross, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. That's the purpose. That's the giving. The father gave the son to die. Like it says in Romans 8.32, he did not spare his own son. Or John 18.11 Jesus said to Peter when he tried to stop the arrest of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? In other words, this is why the Father sent me. He sent me to drink the cup of suffering, the cup of agony, the cup of wrath, so that all who believe in me would not perish because I have perished in their place. So, in summary, there is a God who has a divine, eternal Son. He was in the beginning with God, and He was God. He never came into being. There is no sense of this Son being procreated or merely adopted He was the Son of God from all eternity in the sense that He is the exact imprint of the nature of God and the radiance of His glory. And this Son is the one He gave 
to die. And in giving him to die, he loved the world. And the way he loved the world was that they should not perish, but have eternal life if they believe. That's where we're going next time.